When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Champions. Nothing personal. Word of the day for Friday, June 17th, 2022. Champions. The Golden State Warriors won the NBA title last night, and Steph Curry got himself his fourth ring, his first finals MVP. Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of all time, has now led a team to its fourth title in eight years. It's not the Bulls who won six titles in eight years. It's not the Lakers who won three in a row, but my God, the Warriors, there's no way anyone was going to beat them four to seven times. I think we had that called. We got the game wrong specifically today, but we knew who is going to beat the Warriors four to seven times. Every time a champion is crowned, I watch in every sport. I watch hockey, the Super Bowl, the Stanley Cup Finals, the clinching game, the NBA Finals clinching game, and of course the World Series clinching game because I love being brought back to that moment when we won a title in 2003 and the feeling that the players have, that the executives have, it's this amazing sense of both the moment and also the history. And when you are the basically the owner of the Golden State Warriors or the GM, the, the guy who put the team together, you're thinking to yourself, where do we fit? And even when you win one World Series, you think about where you are, you compare yourself to other team presidents or other teams who have never even been to a World Series, and you're standing there, and it's very surreal when you get the trophy. The NBA does an interesting thing. They do the trophy presentation on the court, even when the road team wins, which is what the Warriors did. Baseball started doing that, but in my day, we got our trophy inside the Yankees locker room inside their clubhouse. They made a stage and sort of part of the clubhouse and did it there because can you imagine doing it in front of Yankee fans? In those days, it would never be thought because you'd get tomatoes thrown at you or something. But now they do it on the court. Steph Curry's there looking for his family. Everybody's hugging everybody else. I like that too. In hockey, they shake each other's hands after a series. In baseball, once the series is over, right, you go to your clubhouse through the dugout. You don't stay and fraternize with the players. But in the NBA, everybody's hugging everybody. I paid special attention to Draymond Green and Grant Williams hugging, saying, hey, good job, good job, when those guys wanted to kill each other during the course of the series. And I'm watching, and I'm thinking, the Warriors have to be considered a dynasty for the ages, a dynasty along the lines of the Bulls, the Spurs. That's how good the Warriors have been. Now you could say Durant was there for one or however many he was there for. But at the end of the day, that team is just so deep. Jordan Poole joins Andrew Wiggins, joins J Draymond Green. You've got Hall of Famer Clay Thompson and Draymond Green joining Steph Curry. Doesn't matter, they don't have size. When you can shoot in today's NBA, you're gonna win games. And that's what we saw last night. 
in the 103-90 victory, you withstand the beginning run. The NBA is a game of runs. And then you just start hitting shots. So I, before we did this show, Coke and I were thinking about who the best players are of all time in the NBA. It's the debate that all sports fans love to have. Everyone loves lists. Give me your top five NBA players. Give me your top five best teams. There's almost, there was a fist fight almost between Bob Cousy and J.J. Redick when J.J. Redick tried to say that Bob Cousy played against a bunch of plumbers. What did he say, Coca? He played against a bunch of plumbers and, and construction workers. Bob Cousy didn't like that very well. I mean, Bill Russell has 11 rings, but people say, oh, God, he played in a time when there weren't as many teams and everybody was smaller. It was easy. I don't know. That's like saying the Yankees don't deserve all the World Series they got back in the day when there were only four teams and you're immediately in the LCS just making the playoffs. You still have to win every single year. And winning a championship, that feeling, it doesn't go away. It's a drug. You want it back. The feeling that you get, you think back to, and you spend every day going forward trying to feel that way again. So Coke and I were talking about Steph Curry and thinking about where he fits in NBA history. And people always say Jordan is the best player in NBA history and then LeBron is two or LeBron is one and Jordan's two. I'm a Jordan one, LeBron two. I've seen all those guys play. You put Kareem there, so the top three is a lock. And then you think, who's next? Do you go with Johnson and Bird? Do you talk about Tim Duncan? I don't know. Steph Curry is not a top five all-time player. But Steph Curry is the greatest shooter I've ever seen. I don't like when he puts his hands. We talk to players about this, actually. I don't like showing up other players. Steph Curry does the, uh, he puts his hand to his face like time to go to sleep. You know, baseball players, they flip a bat. You know, that's fine. Or Carlos Correa. Remember, he pointed to his wrist. It's Correa time last year in the playoffs before he signed with the Twins when he was on the Astros. That's okay. But on the court, that would be like when you're running the bases, you're doing all sorts of things. I think that's how you get hit by pitch. And maybe that just makes me old school. But I don't love that Curry did it. However, every time he does it, the game's over. You know the Warriors have won that game. The Celtics do have a problem. They certainly don't have a franchise problem. Red Arback has 16 rings. Do you know that? The executive for the Celtics. He was a coach for the Celtics. 16 rings. Steve Kerr is now the seventh most decorated person in NBA history. Steve Kerr got his ninth ring yesterday, folks. Three with the Bulls as a player, two with the Spurs as a player, and then four as coach of the Warriors. That's the seventh most of all time for Steve frickin' Kerr. Time Pat Riley. You got to look at Steve Kerr now as a coach on par, as a coach on par with Pat Riley. That's amazing. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. The Celtics have a problem. They've got a great young team, right? Pretty deep. I don't think Marcus Smart is the best defensive player. But if you look at what they have to do, if I'm watching that game and I'm running the Celtics, it's very clear that I need a point guard. And I don't mean Marcus Smart. I don't mean whatever the other guy's name is who comes in. I'm totally blanking. He, he can't shoot. He had a couple good games. Williams, not Grant Williams, a different Williams. Maybe it's not Williams. God, what is wrong with me this morning? It must be a Friday. Is it, is it 
not Robert Williams. He's the big guy. Who's the small guy who comes in after Marcus Smart gets two fouls? He wears a headband. Ugh. He didn't shoot well t- last night. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So the Celtics are watching their team. They're watching the fact that they have two of the top maybe 20 players in the game right now. Their big two consists of Brown and Tatum. They've got to get a point guard. Imagine Chris Paul on that team. It is Derek White. Thank you. Way to go, Coca. It's not the weekend yet for you. They got to get a point guard. The number of turnovers. I think that old players watch today's NBA and say, we're way better than those guys. Now, those guys are way more athletic than we were, but we were a better team. You think John Stockton and Carl Malone look at this or Charles Barkley looks at this and says, my God, I would have won a title for sure. I think you have to think that way. The Celtics need to find a point guard. The Celtics will win a championship with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They're still young, very young, very, very young. The thing is, the Warriors are going to win another championship with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. So what do you do if you're the Heat? What do you do if you're the Bucks? What do you do if you're the Nets, the Sixers? I think you're looking at these finals. You're looking at the way the Warriors are built, how deep they are. You're looking at the Celtics. You're saying to yourself, my God, we're not going to win. We need to get better. There's not one team in the NBA, not one executive. Oh, here's another little nugget for you. All of the players and coaches who say, yeah, I don't watch it. Once I've been eliminated, I go on vacation. I don't pay attention. That's my favorite one. Players say, oh, I don't even know who's playing. I don't even know the score. I don't even know who won. They watch every single game because they know the guys on those teams and they're watching and they're watching saying, that could have been me. That should have been me. That's going to be me. But if you're one of those other players on one of those other teams, aren't you watching the Warriors and saying, my God, we don't have a chance? I think I'm calling my president if I'm a player, like on the Bucks. Giannis got his title, but the Bucks just aren't as good. I thought they'd win back-to-back. I had to wait to see on that. The Bucks look and say Chris Middleton got hurt, but even with Chris Middleton, we're not as good. We don't have the third, fourth, and fifth option the way the Warriors do. We don't have the size or the athleticism that the Celtics do. Well, the NBA should be happy. Adam Silver was not there at the game. He was in COVID protocols. One of the greatest things a commissioner gets to do, and everyone boos him and they don't like it, but the commissioners love it. The commissioners get to give the trophy to the champion. So the deputy commissioner had to step in because Adam Silver was in protocols. So this was the greatest day of Mark Tatum's life, right? He got to give the Larry O'Brien trophy over to the Warriors. And Adam Silver was DBR, despondent beyond repair. If you talk to Bud Selig, he would tell you that the number one thing he wanted in his career as an owner and commissioner, the number one was to win a World Series. Didn't get it. Number two, he would say, and did say, was to get to a World Series, which means you won a pennant. Got there in 1982 when he lost to the Cardinals. I think that's right. 82? 81? No, 81 was the Yankees, so I think it was 82. The number three memory is giving the trophy. Now, when Bud Selig gave us the trophy in 2003, he was miserable, so angry that we got a World Series so quickly in Florida, so angry that the Yankees didn't win, so angry that the Cubs weren't there instead of the Marlins, so angry it didn't go seven games. He gave it, and he was like holding his nose. But when I saw him after that, the years after that, and there were 
10, 15 years after that, we would talk about it. He'd say, David, I wasn't happy for you that night, but I'm happy for you now. <laughs> that's funny. All right, that's it for the NBA. When I was running the Marlins, today was the best day of the year. Um, let me start that again, Coca, because it's the second best day. Four, six, nine. When I was running the Marlins, today was the second best day of the year. The best day of the year is the day that the Heat got eliminated from the playoffs or the regular season ended without them in the playoffs. That's the best day. The second best day is when the NBA season ends because then in theory, it's just time for baseball. Right now, baseball owns the sports landscape. From now until minicamp starts in football. That always drove me crazy. Forget that. Training camp starts in football. That made me nuts. Who cares about training camp, everybody? That made me crazy. But until the regular season starts in September, at which point either you want your fan base to forget about your team because you're out of it and you stink, or you're in the race and it doesn't matter that football season started, you're still getting attention at the local level from the news and the local media. But when the NBA season ends, baseball's got to be ready to pounce. And baseball has a bunch of great things going on right now. They've got the Yankees with the best record in the league. They've got Aaron Judge going for 65 home runs for sure. They've got the Mets playing well with the best record in the National League, Yankees American League. They've got the Cardinals winning their division right now with Pujols playing, Molina's hurt, but they've got sort of a, a, a line to the past. They have the Padres fighting with the Dodgers in the National League West. It's, it's just pretty cool. So four times a year, the owners in baseball get together and they have owners meetings. Owners meetings consist of two days. The first day you've got a bunch of committees who meet, then you have a dinner, then you have a speech by the commissioner, then you have a big meeting on the next day, which is generally a Thursday, where all 30 clubs are represented. And then you've got a small meeting after that where only one person per club meets with the commissioner in a closed door executive session, they call it. And then the commissioner meets the media. So his PR people are all around him and they're getting ready, figuring out what he's going to talk about, what the media is going to ask, what points he has to make. And Rob Manford met the media today on the day the NBA championship was won. Not the timing that Rob would like because his news is getting buried by the fact that the Warriors won the title tonight. Although Rob Manford would tell you he'd rather get buried today and not have a game Sunday. He wants the NBA season to end. As I told you, we all pretend that we root for the NBA. We root for the other teams in our home, right? We love the Heat. We love the Dolphins. We love the Panthers. Horse hockey. We want them all to lose every single game they play. And they want us to lose every single game we play. That's the reality of it. But we pretend that's not the case. We sing Kumbaya and hold hands and support each other and buy season tickets from each other and, and cheer, etc. But no, we want them to lose. So Rob Manford meets the media today. And what do you think is on the minds of baseball media? If you had to guess like four topics that were going to be discussed, what would you think? Oh, Coco, we have no studio audience. Like I can't even take suggestions. We're not even, I can't even interact with anyone. All right, I'm going to look in the camera right now. Nothing personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. And I'm going to say, what do you think was going to come up in the Rob Manford press conference. What'd you say? Oh, the pitch clock? Yes. 
Did you know the pitch clock is being instituted right now in the minor leagues? Pitch clock means get your ass on the rubber and throw the next pitch. Stop walking around. Stop staring in at the signs. Stop rubbing rosin and spider tack all over and touching your ass and touching your hat, wiping your sweat, stepping off, stepping off the rubber, throwing to first. Let's go. The minor leagues have a punch clock punch clock, have a pitch clock instituted, and the time of game has gone down measurably, like 14 minutes in games where they're using a pitch clock. Rob Manford was asked, are we seeing it? Are we ready? And you know what he said? We're back to the usual baseball. He said, well, the competition committee is going to talk about it, but I wouldn't say that it's going to be ready for 2023 which is next season. The competition committee is the committee I used to be on, except now they've changed it. Now the competition committee, as constituted in the most recent collective bargaining agreement, consists of five members that the commissioner appoints and four members from the player's side. So the commissioner's office still rules the committee. There's no three-quarters vote required. You can pass something 5-4 out of the committee. But guess what? The competition committee passing something doesn't mean anything. It's a recommendation. They don't have the power to say, we vote pitch clock. Boom, there's a pitch clock. You have to get union approval. And if the union doesn't approve it after one year, remember that whole negotiation with when they can say they want to do something and the time got moved up? It used to be a year. Now there's a few issues where it can be 90 days. But Rob Manford has made a career out of not implementing anything against the wishes of the players' union. Of course, other than the 60-game season during COVID, but I let's skip that. All the rule changes on field, he wants buy-in by the union. And the union is afraid to do anything because half their union likes one thing, half their union dislikes it because half the union are pitchers and they want things that'll help pitching and defense. Half the union are position players, and they want things that will help offense. And if the offense is being helped, guess what that is at the expense of? The pitchers. If the pitchers get help, that means when the players, position players become free agents, all of a sudden they have a hard time getting money. So what happens? Nothing. A whole lot of nothing. What's the second thing? What's been driving you crazy watching baseball? How about how crappy the umpires are? Yeah, that was going to come up, and it did. And guess what? The automatic strike zone? Pat Summerall, baby. Nothing doing. What's so hard about an automatic strike zone and robot umpires? They've got the technology like they do in tennis. There can be a little buzzer right in the ear, and you can put the same buzzer in the manager's ear, in the catcher's ear, in the pitcher's ear, in the umpire's ear. How about a challenge system where the offensive team or the team on defense, any team can challenge a ball strike call. Boom, you get a certain number per game. It comes up in three seconds. You move on. Ball two. Oh, challenge. It was a strike. Strike one. It's not that hard. Let's go. Baseball just has the hardest time moving. It's like putting a barge in the middle of the East River and trying to have it do a U-turn. It's like a 10-point turn. Have you ever seen like the comedy routine where they're trying to park a car in a little space and they back in, then they go forward, then back, then forward, then back? I think Borat did it in a movie. 
and it was really funny. That's baseball trying to make a decision. So Rob Manford meets the media and says, yeah, automatic strike zone. Eh, we're not quite there. Third thing, every owner's meeting always has a stadium discussion. What about the Marlins? Not anymore. They got their stadium. Now it's all about the Tampa Bay Rays. Now it's all about the Oakland A's. Do you remember when Rob Manford met the media after a recent owners meeting like a year ago or something and talked about the two-city solution? How, oh, that is something that we are strongly considering. We're hosting Stephen Bronfman and the other people from Montreal. This looks like a real possibility. And his fingers and toes were crossed because he knew it wasn't. Do you remember when the Oakland A's had permission to move to Vegas and seek relocation in Vegas and the A's owners were buying land in Vegas and they were figuring out where they were going to move and they did that survey? Go back to an old Nothing Personal episode, Coca. I don't know which one it was where we took the survey about whether or not people in Vegas would want to go to baseball games. It was the biggest crock of crap survey I've ever seen. That's like when you're on hold and they say, hey, um, after this call, would you be willing to stay on and answer two questions of a survey? No. Why can't I do it while I'm on hold for the 20 minutes waiting to find a live person? You want me to be on hold, listen to the music, and then the recording that comes on and says, we are experiencing unusual delays. Unusual call volume. We will be with you in... And then there's silence and you think, oh my God, it's a person. And then it's the same recording. How about asking me to do the survey then? I got nothing else to do. And why do only some companies, while I'm at it, have the technology for the callback automatic? Everybody should have that. Put your number in. Call me back when it's my turn. Don't make me sit on hold. Oh, I get. Do you ever get a call waiting when you're on hold trying to get through to someone and you don't want to go to the call waiting for fear? And you're like, oh, I got to go. I'm on hold on the other line. Can't lose my place. I can't get more time and I'm getting older. The amount of time that I spend on hold. No, I'm just kidding. Beth does. Thank you, Beth. That's an inside joke. Not really. Beth's my assistant. I don't like being on hold. It drives me cray cray. Why are we talking about hold? I have no idea. This is a Friday. You are live on Friday. I don't know where we were. Whoa, Vegas. Rob Manford. Yeah, Vegas is really good. Now he meets the media yesterday. The Oakland A's are getting close in Oakland. But we like Vegas as a city. Of course you like Vegas as an expansion city. The A's are not moving to Vegas, neither are the Rays. But thank God Rob met the media to say, hey, now's the time. Go back and look. It's sort of like presidential debates where you go in the 70s, 80s, 90s, thousands, and tens, and everyone's debating the same issues for the last 50 years. We've got to take care of energy and poverty and homelessness and social security. It's ridiculous the same thing. Rob Manford, there's really significant activity in Oakland, he said yesterday. The political process has moved along significantly. Horse hockey. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Last topic on Rob Manford's plate. A lot of you send me tweets at David P. Sampson not understanding the blackout rules. I've tried to explain why games are blacked out in your area because you have to subscribe to the local rights holder. You know that, right? If you want to watch your team, you have to have your team's network because that's how they get paid. Now baseball is saying, 
they may want to combine their streaming rights and start streaming all games, like what MLS did with Apple, which I talked about on Levitard yesterday. But guess what? Teams are fighting it. He doesn't have the votes yet. He does not have 23 votes to combine all of the digital streaming rights. And the reason he doesn't have the votes is that teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox say, I don't want to share that revenue. I'll do it in revenue sharing. But if we combine it, then I only own 1 30th, but I'm putting in 4 30ths of the revenue and I'm only keeping 1 30th. That doesn't seem fair. Let me do it. I can exploit my digital rights way better than you can as a league. It's an old fight that teams have. It's sort of the equivalent of states versus federal government. Let the states do it. That's what teams say. Teams are like states. The commissioner's office is like the federal government. Certain owners, like conservative owners, say, hey, more power to the states. Stay out of our life, federal government. Owners who are on the left side say, left side meaning low revenue. LL, get it? Left side, low revenue. They say, hey, it's no fair. We can't get the same revenue as those big guys. We can't compete. And around and around she goes. So that was the owners meeting. The next one will be in November. Okay, well, let's take a break. I watched the movie I told you I was going to watch. I watched Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. I want to talk about it. And then I want to talk about what happened also at the owners' meeting with the Cleveland Guardians. It's a fascinating thing, and Sixers fans should be paying attention. We'll be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson on a Friday. Just another manic Friday. Quite a week it's been. The NBA season is over. The Warriors are champions. And I'm still watching the movie every day. So to me, being in the sports world for as long as I've been in the media world now for all these years, doing this show with you since October of 19, I tend to believe that our little insulated world of sports and politics and entertainment and media and doing a show every day 
the importance of it. And I really talk a little bit about things that go on in my head, feelings I have. I try to tell you what I'm thinking, when I'm thinking it, and why I'm thinking it. I try to present different points of view so you can have an educated opinion. I was asked to watch a movie by Coca, and I did. I had not, I know and had heard of Anthony Bourdain. I don't know him. I'd heard of him. I didn't know anything about his story. I knew that he was dead. I didn't know how. I didn't remember. I'd never watched Parts Unknown. I didn't know that he had written a book called Kitchen Confidential. I didn't know that he was a chef at a restaurant called Les All in New York City. I didn't know any of it. I didn't know that at the end of his life, he was dating the woman who first accused Harvey Weinstein of raping her right on the stage at Cannes. This documentary about Anthony Bourdain is one of the best documentaries I've seen, and I want you to stop, drop, and roll once these 45 minutes are up. And we've probably got another 20 minutes here. But once I'm done and we're done for the week, please watch this documentary. What I wanted to talk about is fame. Fame is something very interesting because people all say they want it, right? Most people who are not famous, they say, God, wouldn't it be great to be famous? Because they associate fame with being rich and they associate being rich with being happy. The only people who associate fame with wealth, with happiness, are those who don't have any of them. I've met more unhappy rich people in my life and more happy poor people. I've met more unhappy famous people and more happy anonymous people. I have conversations all the time with people because I'm not famous by any stretch, but I get recognized more often than not. I'd say, I've told you this, I'm like an L-level celebrity is what I'd say. Not A, not B, not C, L. And I think about, because I've spoken to people who can't leave the house, like Ichiro in Japan, when I was with Ichiro in Japan, Flex, and he doesn't want to leave his hotel. Because when he does, he can't walk a step. And it makes you lonely. Because guess what's interesting about famous people? They still have their underwear around their ankles when they take a crap. They still have relationship problems. They still have kids who don't like them, who don't care that they're famous. They still have fights with their significant others. They still have divorce. They still have drama. They still have tragedy. And fame and money doesn't change any of that. Anthony Bourdain was a tortured soul. He never wanted to be as recognized as he was. He never wanted to lose the ability to travel and be somewhere in the world and not be recognized. He wanted that so badly. And during the course of his life, he became so famous that he couldn't take it. And he took his own life. Every time we read TMZ, every time we gossip about a famous person, every time we look at People Magazine, every time we care about the family drama, who's sleeping with who, who cheated on who, who's married to who, whose kid's a drug addict, they're just like we are. They feel the same pain that we feel during the course of our everyday, except their pain is in a fishbowl. Their pain is being commented by all of us. I felt so guilty about some of the things that I've done in my life in terms of gossiping about famous people or criticizing people I don't know. 
I don't do it as much because so many people criticize me without knowing me. So I really have stopped doing that because it makes me very sad and frustrated. I always pretend that it doesn't impact me, right? I pretend that all the nasty comments or all the times that people say, oh, what a what an A-rod, right? I, I tell you I ignore that or it falls off my back. But I'm just normal like you are, right? It brings me back to grade school when the last person picked because you're the shortest or it brings you back when you want to make it with the hottest girl and they just want to be your friend, right? It just, all this stuff that everyone goes through, everyone goes through. Now, I'm not asking for a pity party by any stretch. Neither was Anthony Bourdain. But what I am asking for is for some thought. That's it. When you're watching this movie, instead of being cynical and gossipy and rolling your eyes and saying, oh, I can't believe he was that unhappy. My God, what could he have been unhappy about? He was rich and famous and with the hottest women of all time. Just give it one minute of thought that maybe you're wrong. It's called Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. Definitely worth your time. So also at the owner's meeting, there's business that gets done in baseball. Wow, that's out of order. I sort of should have done that talking about the owner's meeting, but I got distracted and I was supposed to. Sorry, Coca. We're getting back to the owner's meeting. So in addition to Rob Manfred meeting the media, and there's actually business that can take place during the course of a meeting. The only votes that happen in owner's meeting are, the only votes that matter are when all 30 clubs are together. The executive council is made up of seven or nine teams and they get information the day before in their meetings. They take votes like on who a new owner, if a new owner needs to be approved because then the next day, the executive council or the ownership council or the ownership committee will say, yes, we voted in favor of John Doe buying this team. But by the way, their vote means nothing, zero. Like being a Democrat in New York, right? Does your vote really matter that much? I'm not saying it doesn't, don't vote, please do vote. But that sort of, it's, it doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, being a Democrat in New York matters way more than your vote on the executive council in MLB. It literally means nothing. As a matter of fact, going back to the CBA, I learned, I did not know this as a, uh, as a president. I'm going to admit ignorance on a major topic. I was not aware until this year that the player reps for each team had a vote in the collective bargaining agreement. I thought they took a vote of every player and every player had one vote and had to be a majority of the players to ratify CBA. It turns out there's 30 votes that matter plus the nine members of the, of the negotiating council, the nine player votes, plus the 30 player reps. And it has got to be majority of the 39. Is that right, Coca? Maybe there's 42, whatever the number is. I was shocked by that. I thought it was all people on the 40-man roster times 30. I thought there were 1,200 votes and you needed 601 to ratify. In any case, in baseball, the executive council can vote all at once, but it is the owners, all 30, who vote on whether you're going to create MLBAM, whether you're going to do something with the digital rights, whether you're going to agree to a TV, a national TV deal, whether you're going to agree to a change of control with the team, an ownership change, a sale, all of that's done by 30 clubs. You need a three-quarters vote for any sort of ownership change. Now, when a limited partner, that means someone who is not a control person of your team. A, there's 30 control people. They're responsible. At the end of the day, it's their vote that matters when the vote of 30 is taken. 
a general partner, you may have that in a partnership you're in, or if your business is a partnership, there's a general partner who's responsible to do the business of the partnership. It doesn't mean the general partnership owns the majority of the partnership, but the general partner is the one who makes decisions on behalf of the partnership and often takes, if not always, takes a fee for that. A limited partner is someone who owns a percentage of the team, but does not run the team. A while ago, Paul Dolan, the owner of the Cleveland Guardians, said that he was looking to sell a percentage of his team because his former limited partner was a guy named John Sherman who left him to become the general partner and majority owner of the Kansas City Royals. Musical chairs, man, it's a major thing in baseball. It's so incestuous, it's like kissing your sister. So John Sherman, no relation to Bruce Sherman who bought the Marlins from Jeffrey Loria, John Sherman goes from Cleveland to Kansas City, Paul Dolan, general partner and control person of the Cleveland Guardian says, hey, we want to sell. And guess who was kicking the tires? My guy, David Blitzer. You know that name? The guy who with Josh Harris owns the Sixers and the Devils, that guy? The guys who own the Crystal Palace Premier League team, that guy? The guys who were trying to bid for Chelsea, that guy? The guys who work with Dwayne Wade in Utah, although Dwayne Wade is with the Jazz, not with the Real Salt Lake MLS team. Although he may have a piece of the Real Salt Lake team. I don't know. Doesn't matter. That guy. Guess what David Blitzer did? He got the EGOT. The EGOT is someone who's won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Belated congratulations to Jennifer Hudson, who this year won a Tony like five days ago, six days ago, five days ago, whatever, last Sunday. She's now an EGOT. She has an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. An EGOT in sports is when you own an NBA team, an NHL team, a basketball team, NBA, and an NFL team. As I think about this live, and you can do whatever you want, Coca, because it's Friday. David Blitzer got three-fourths of the way to an EGOT. He did not get an NFL team. He got an MLB team today. David Blitzer is buying the Cleveland Guardians from Paul Dolan. But what's being reported is that he got 25% of the team only with a path to control. This is a new thing. This was something that we did with the Marlins that we talked about Jeffrey Loria wanted to sell a percentage of the team to raise cash, but he wanted to keep running the team for a number of years. And then the person who bought the limited partnership would have the right to buy the rest of the team at a future date. Think about A-Rod and his partner, Mark Lore, who bought a percentage of the Minnesota Timberwolves from Glenn Taylor with the right to buy the rest of it over a period of time and then take control. The path to control plan is a great plan to get a current owner money up front to be used to pay down debt. Sorry, Cleveland Guardians fans. It's not going to be used to increase your payroll to $200 million. The money that David Blitzer put in to buy 25% of the Cleveland Guardians is going to be used by Paul Dolan to pay down debt. Then, in future years, David Blitzer will take over as the control person of the Cleveland Guardians. Most people want a path to control of two years, maybe three years. David Blitzer accepted a six 
year runway yesterday. He's willing to be a limited partner for six years before he gets to buy the rest of the Cleveland Guardians. Guess what, Coca? NGTH. As a matter of fact, we'll do a wait to see about this. David Blitzer will take over the Cleveland Guardians as the control person well before six years. I don't know if we're going to be doing nothing personal in six years. Coca, how long is our contract? Oh, it's six minutes? All right, let's just pretend we're doing the show for six years. I got nothing to do. In six years, I'm not even going to be, I'll be 10 years away from being 70. I'm going to do this till I'm 80, Coca. Easy. Maybe 90. So let's go with this wait to see. Wait to see is when we, when we tell you something's going to happen. If it happens, we revisit it. If it doesn't happen, we revisit it. We'll revisit this. David Blitzer will take control of the Cleveland Guardians faster than the six years that is in the contract. Wait to see. Man, I'm cold in my nothing personal pick of the days, huh? Cold. I really thought the Celtics were going to do it. We're 71 and 57. Not only did the Celtics not cover, the Warriors won the whole damn game. The only good news is that on June 14th, I had a wait to see. That's earlier this week when I told you Del Curry would get four three-pointers in game six, and he got five. So, by the way, that's not true. You're right, Coca. Del Curry got zero three-pointers in game six. That would have been a lost way to see if I had said Del Curry was getting the four three-pointers. I actually said Steph Curry. Steph Curry got five. That way to see was correct. All right, we got three picks, two picks for you this weekend. Two picks. Tonight, can we talk about the Braves and the Cubs? What about two teams? One's won 14 in a row. One's lost 10 in a row. Raise your hand if you thought the Cubs, after they won the World Series in 2016, raise your hand if you thought that six years from that point, they'd be one of the worst teams in baseball. Raise your hand when they signed Jason Hayward if you knew that he was going to stink toward the end of his contract. I did. Raise your hand if you thought that the Cubs were not going to be a dynasty. I knew they weren't going to be. Raise your hand if they thought they were going to suck this badly in 2022. I did. Remember when they got rid of Rizzo and Baez? Remember that? That trade last year? They traded their guys, and everyone was all upset, and then Rizzo stayed with the Yankees. Baez went to Detroit, and I told you that Detroit completely overpaid and that the Cubs made the right decision by getting rid of those guys, and they were going to have short-term pain. This is the short-term pain, but I did not think it would be short-term bloodshed. That's a terrible expression to use. It's not really bloodshed. They're not shedding blood. It's not war. It's just worse than pain. What's worse than pain but not a war analogy? I was going to say carnage, but that's just as bad. Koki, give me a word on a basic Friday morning. What is it that the Cubs are experiencing? What are Cubs fans and Cubs executives experiencing? Not Theo Epstein, who bailed so fast your head would spin. He saw the tight. The Cubs hit an iceberg during COVID when Ricketts became overextended and got the owner brought on too much debt so their payroll was not going to be as high. They knew that they had aging people who weren't good anymore. That's like the Titanic hitting an iceberg and then Theo saying, see you later. So that was the end of that. So now the Cubs, they're just not even a representative team. So we were talking about the Cubs, I think last night Coke and I were and and the fact that they're playing the Braves this weekend. 
and I think he was saying, you know, the Cubs, it's normal. It's fine, right? Teams go up, they go down. You're the one who teaches us that it's there's windows, and you keep your windows open, and you try to win, and then when your window closes, you take it down, and it's okay to lose 100 games. True, Coca, I did say that. However, there are five teams in Major League Baseball that have no excuse to ever be this bad, and the Cubs are one of them. Cubs, Red Sox, Dodgers, Yankees, Mets. I didn't say Angels because the Angels are the Angels. How about Shohei Otani? Do you know, can you imagine Shohei Otani? Shohei Otani batted third last night while pitching. I, I just I just want to say that, right? I, do you understand the insanity of that? He went six innings, did not give up a run, and batted third and got two hits. I don't know. I guess that's good, right? How does that team stink year after year? Anyway, the Cubs have a problem. The problem is that they're bad, and they're playing a team who the Mets should be really worried about. Ozzy Albies fractured his foot. He's a player for the Braves, a good player for the Braves, an important player for the Braves, but the Braves are a really good team. And I know Coke is a Mets fan, and I know Scott Riley's going to be pissed to hear this. The Braves are a better team than the Mets, from 1 to 26. I thought that before the season. I still think it today. They are four games out. Four and a half out, maybe. Braves over Cubs. That's my pick. Coca is yelling in my ear. All right, I'll give the stat. You want me to give the stat? Does it really matter? All right. The Cubs have been outscored 90-30 to 30 in their 10-game losing streak. Everyone feel better? The Cubs have had more position players pitch in their 10-game losing streak than regular pitchers pitch. That's not true, but it sounds good, right? All those position players, it makes me crazy. I think there should be a rule that position players should not be allowed to pitch. Period. All right. What about Saturday? Saturday, we've got game two of the Stanley Cup. The Avalanche were really good in game one, right? But I still have the Lightning winning back-to-back-to-back, which means they got to win Saturday night. So we're going to take the Lightning again. You're going to get plus money. I'm going back to the well. So Friday, Braves over Cubs. Saturday, Lightning over Avalanche. As we end the week, and you're going back and listening to previous shows, we covered quite a lot of topics. A lot is going on in the world on and off the field between hearings that are going on in D.C., between Supreme Court opinions that are going to be coming out in the next week, maybe next week, between major things going on on the field, off the field, and we end the week with an NBA champion. Hey, Warriors, are you awake? Is it like the Oscars where you're going to go on the morning shows having been up all night? If you're the Warriors, if we win on the road, do you know when we won on the road in New York, we did not immediately fly back to home. We partied all night in New York and flew back the next day. The Warriors will not be flying back to San Francisco tonight. They will be partying Lionel Richie style all night long in Boston. God, it's fun to win on the road. Have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday. It's just business. This is nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. 
They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com